Matt Dwyer here, and I want to thank you for listening to my podcast. If you wish to become a bigger part of the world of Conversations with Dwyer, go to themattdwyer.com slash shop and purchase a T-shirt or a phone case with the Conversations with Dwyer logo right on it. It's that little head, round head thingy. Uh, that was created by Charlene Yee. That'll help support the podcast and spread the word. Also, you could become a Patreon subscriber. You could also find that link at thematwire.com. For $5 a month, you get extended interviews, video versions of the interviews, you get bonus episodes, all kinds of extra content, sometimes blogs. And there's different tiers, but the $5 one definitely is, I think, affordable for everybody. Thank you very much for listening. Please support the podcast. And now let's listen to this episode of Conversations with Dwyer. Conversations with Dwyer. I'm Matt Dwyer. This is a music podcast. And speaking of music, what? That song that's playing is called The Question Song. It is by Particle Kid, and it is from the album Window Rock. And my guest today is Particle Kid, Micah Nelson. And I want to thank my friend Eric Edelstein, who turned me on to Particle Kid. And he was like, you know what, Dwyer? You'd really like Particle Kid. Check it out. I listened to it. I was immediately into it. I don't know how I didn't know about Particle Kid before or his other band, Insects vs. Robots, who I also love. But anyway, uh, I became obsessed. His song, Everything is Bullshit, really struck a chord with me because everything is bullshit. But also, um, I was in the middle of writing something and um, I was stuck and the song inspired me to have a whole thing in the thing I was writing, and it really inspired me. Sadly, I also got news today that that thing no can't be made. <laughs> so it's not going to be made. And that was a little crushing. But you know what? That's the business I chose for myself, and I ought to have my fucking head checked because it's a crazy business. Either way, I feel very proud of it, and that's all that matters, right? I put out good work. Anyway, if you like Micah Nelson and you like Particle Kid, please check out my past episodes at the conver- uh, go to themattdwyer.com slash episodes. You can see everybody who's been on the show. Also, Sonny War, who he did an album with. They did like a split album, Sonny War. It's called Particle War. Um, she's been on the show, or depending on when this airs, she will be on the show. I just recorded both of them. But either way, you where you could go hear them both right now, my Patreon. They're both on Patreon in their entirety. Mike and I talked for an extra allotted time. The uh, episode is in its entirety on the on the Patreon. That is that. I'm going to not waste your time anymore. Um, but go to the show notes. Check out all things Particle Kid. I think you'll really dig it. Um, hopefully I have some. We talked about some other things. So hopefully I have links up there. I have to find them. If not, Google them. God damn it. <laughs> what do I got to do all the work? Uh, anyway, this is a great episode. Please enjoy my conversation with Micah Nelson of Particle Kid. I like the outdoorsness, which is not a word, by the way, outdoorsness. Outdoorsness. <laughs> I like it. We can make up words, right? Why the fuck not? All That's the- what everyone else did. <laughs> 
right? What are we what are we saying right now? We're just saying sounds that people made up and decided that's a word. That's right. I like outdoorsness. <laughs> it, all, it kind of sounds like a um like the 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 part of an animal like this is the outdoorsness of the whale. <laughs> you know, it's like the underside of the fin or something. That's that's my good old fashioned Chicago education just coming into work there, sir. <laughs> and sometimes the brain doesn't work well, so it's a good combo platter of fucked up shit in there. That sounds like my life, oh. and just everyone's life right now. Combo combo platter of fucked up shit. Yeah, that is true. That is true. It is. A, um, where are you, if you don't mind me asking? I'm in the redwoods. Oh. In the uh, coastal redwoods, um, kind of near Sebastopol. Oh, Sebastopol's great. Sebastopol, okay. as they say in Russia. Is that is it a, come from a Russian word, Sebastopol? I believe so. I believe so. Um, I think the whole area was sort of... Well, not the whole area, actually, but there, there's a, you know, the Russian River is right there. There's a huge Russian population here. They immigrated back in the day, and uh, Les, Les Claypool was telling me about it, and he knows a lot more about it than I do. But he just, I remember him saying that uh, he was talking to the guy from Gogol Bordello, and told him he lives in Sebastopol and he was like, Oh, Sebastopol. (laughs) He knew all about it. And it was like big part of their history. Does Clay Lespool live up there? I know Tom Waits is in that area too. Yeah. Les is out here. Um, and Tom Waits is out here. A lot of other great musicians and, uh, you know, farmers and, and uh, masons and all kinds of different creative people, skilled people. It's a, it's a great area. I've been wanting to live in Northern California my whole life. I got stuck in Southern California. I thought you were in LA. Are you? Do you live in LA? I, I got I got stuck in Southern California for a while, <laughs> and then I realized, why am I here? I don't have to be here all the time, and not being on tour was extra motivation to escape Los Angeles. Also, I rewatched that movie. It was on TV, Escape from L.A. Oh. <laughs> and I got, I got really inspired by uh, Snake. What was his name? Like, God, Snake, fuck, I haven't seen it. Snake so Blazer or something like that. It was like, yeah. Yeah, there's um, some, L.A. seems to... Uh, there's a lot of great things about it. I don't, but it just seems the the chatter just seems to whirl in my head with that city. Sorry, let me turn off. Um, yeah, I love LA too. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not. I'm not knocking on LA. It's it's definitely a little more apocalyptic than the redwoods. But um, I mean, I have so many dear friends and it's given me so many great um, moments in my life with people that I love 
and uh, I go back there all the time, you know. Um, but it's definitely, you know, when you're on tour all the time and you're constantly around tons of people and you're sort of in the the matrix all the time and then you, you get off tour and the last thing you want to do is, is be in a place like L.A. where, you know, you feel like you're still on tour. Um, so my wife and I finally were like, you know what? Uh, we've been wanting to do this for a while. And actually, um, you know, fortunately, uh, last year, not being on tour, it pushed me to focus more on my animation work and video work and uh, painting commissions and things like that I, I would do sort of on on the side. And, uh, but putting all the focus on that and realizing that I can keep the lights on without being on tour constantly. That was inspiring and encouraging, gave us some confidence to not feel like we need to be, uh, you know, rooted in, in LA as much. Yeah. But I, it's, a, it's a beautiful place in many ways. I was looking at some of your paintings earlier today, just online. I didn't break into any place, but they're really incredible. <laughs> I don't think I, my paintings are in any place that you could break into uh, right now. Uh, but the work is, the work is incredible. It's uh, thank you. I had, did, what, I didn't, I, and I also I didn't know you did animation. I just knew that, discovered that you did painting. I wish I would have known about the animation. I would have looked into that some more. Yeah, uh, I have a bunch of music videos and little pieces that I've I've made on on YouTube. Um, last year, I did a bunch of music videos for other artists uh tenari win did a few for Edie brickell and the new bohemians um did a video for sunny war i did a, a video for my dad um did a video for my sister's band folk uke um amy and kathy and a lot of those involved animation. And with my last band, Insects versus Robots, I, I did a lot of animation work in our, our music videos that we would DIY, throw together. Do you do the old school panel by panel or do you do work digitally? I do a little a bit of both. I'll usually start, at least for a long time, I... Um, when I was in when I was in middle school and I got really into animation, uh, I would steal post-it notes from the school office and make little flipbook animations with them, like you know skaters doing kickflips or, or like samurai people battling and stuff. And uh, I did one actually that I wish I could find it because I thought it was pretty good. And, and it's uh, it's this guy. And he's standing there and he starts scratching his ass like he's got an itch and he just like, like keeps going up like he can't quite reach it. And 
pretty soon his arms up there <laughs> and his whole his whole body just disappears into his ass and he just like he disappears up his own ass and then there's just a butt sitting there at the end and uh stuff like that and then um you know now nowadays when you have your phone and it's got like the stop motion app you can then i I started doing like um you know i'd animate with the post-it notes and then you can take a shot screenshot of each frame and then digitally animate it and you know duplicate frames if you want a little bit of different timing things and and you can you can just go to town so i would um totally uh deprive myself of sleep and nutrition for weeks <laughs> and uh and just do this for hours every day and make make um music videos um and and lately um i've gotten more into doing in photoshop you can do animation um and i got one of those tablets tablet pen and so you can like I, i've been really into rotoscoping where like you know you could take a video and in photoshop you can paint over each frame um so that when you you're left you're left with like a painted animated sequence it's it's hand painted but it's it's digitally so um it's less messy and it's easier to integrate that into other things and also photoshop's got all these different types of paint brushes and you know you could take like a a mouth and use that as the paintbrush and you know it's pretty limitless depending on what your ideas are and uh I, I, uh, I've been doing, I've been doing a lot of that. I, uh, I, I just finished a project with Neil, uh, with Neil Young based on his album trans from 1982, which was originally, he wanted it to be a, a short film and it's a long story. I don't know if you know much about that, but I, I know uh, a little, so he, he, he made this concept album. It's like a dystopian sci-fi rock opera concept record called Trans. And it's Crazy Horse on there, but he's, he's singing through vocoders. He's playing like stringman synthesizers. Um, and a lot of it was a sort of a artistic expression of his inability to communicate with his son who was newly born at the time ben who was born with cerebral palsy so he had to use technology to communicate and and it was this sort of you know robotic voice that would be channeled through and um so that's a presence on there but uh, you know and I, I always knew this about trans but i never knew until working with neil on this that there's this whole narrative with characters and like a uh there's you know it's 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 really like a like a play and um so it, it was really fun to unpack that and go back and and listen to it with him and realize oh this that that those characters singing are actual characters that he's got fleshed out in his head that are part of this story and so um when he first made this record, David Geffen, who was his label manager at the time, 
hated it so much that he sued him for making it. I remember that. And said that <laughs> this is not Neil Young music or something. And he's like, I'm, I'm fucking Neil Young. I, <laughs> I made it. And, uh, but they didn't want to put it out. So he sued him back and he won because he's an artist and he had creative, you know, control and they put it out, but they sabotaged it. You know, they didn't for one, make the movie that he wanted to have it come out with, which would have made the album more understandable because singing through the vocoders, some, some of the lyrics, it's hard to tell what, what's going on. And so the film, you get the visual storytelling of that accompanied with the songs and the, and the lyrics. So it's presented the way he envisioned it. Not only did they not do that, they, they made him add these other more kind of country rock songs and that they were not originally meant for that album just to try and be more commercial or something. Cause this was like, you know, Geffen wanted harvest and this was more in line with like, Devo and Kraftwerk and Can and kind of these not harvest sounding ideas that he was really inspired by at the time. So long story short, now he's he's re-releasing it and together we created the film Trans the Animated Story. And it's uh it's gonna it's gonna be out I think next spring. Um and I learned a lot working on that as far as you know, you asked, so do you do frame by frame traditional type animation or digital stuff? And this project was this total hodgepodge collage of all of it, all, you know, whatever I kind of like I had around at the time, because for a while I was working on it on tour. And then sometimes if I was at home, I, I, I had different tools to work with. It's everything from from the post-it note stuff to digital rotoscoping to 3d uh you know cg animation that i did in oculus in vr using this program called medium and uh it's all kind of it's it's but somehow it's very raw and sewn together and and neil likes it that way i i at one point i remember i i kind of tried to make it a little more professional looking. And he was like, what happened to that first version where it, you know, I'm like where it looked really shitty. It's like, yeah, that, that one. <laughs> so it's, and he's always right. I mean, he's always right about that. I go back and I'm like, yeah, I was totally overthinking that. I don't know why I thought it should be, you know, not, raw and human and soulful do you do you tend to overthink your work in general or is this just one sort of situation um i i used to a lot a lot more before working with neil and i think just by osmosis or something i just i uh i i've i've gone through the experience of overthinking work um for so long only to realize that the original <laughs> you know the first take or that that first idea is like that was 
that was the unfiltered raw that was the closest to the source and so you know why waste your time you know sometimes you want to explore ideas and everything but if i feel that i'm getting if i'm starting to get away from it i'd step back and i i go no this is you know this is it and and it's it's usually the way to go and i feel like more personally connected to the work that way um and 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 also it helped i mean i feel like i i can be more prolific that way you know there was a certain point where i decided i'd much rather be prolific than a perfectionist um because there's always something you can go back and fix about everything even if you spend years on a record and you try to make it perfect and you try to fine tune every little thing. Um, you know, and even if, if it doesn't feel totally soulless and sucked <laughs> dry of any kind of interesting, relatable feelings, um, after all that, you're still gonna listen back sometimes and, and want to change something or, Oh, I wish I could have done that. So knowing that, and knowing that nine times out of 10, the not overthinking it and, and kind of living with it for a little while, uh, those little imperfections and the things that you thought were, were ruining it or something were, are actually the thing that makes it so memorable and makes it so much more, uh, well, relatable and, representative of in my case me because i'm a very flawed and sort of uh patched together kind of person you know and i feel like if my work was so shiny and pristine and immaculate it, it would almost be like a lie it would be disingenuine and it would be hard for me to relate to my own work and, you know, there are various levels and nuances even within that. But, yeah, I, I used to overthink it a lot more than, than I do in the past several years. It has, with that, has there come, because as I said earlier, too, I'm also a flawed, kind of messy fucking guy. But I was like, there, do you feel like you accepted those flaws and those things within you and that also was allowed to help you creatively or is that I, I feel like I just didn't articulate that well but like I feel like I've accepted what's fucked up with me and therefore I'm allowed to create better or be, yeah. or be a better person but sometimes yeah. it works in reverse too where you like f discover that through creativity yeah um, absolutely I know what you're talking about and, and I would agree totally that it is about accepting yourself and your, your flaws and, and embracing your flaws and learning how to turn your flaws into strengths. Um, and working with people who have gone through that and have masterfully turned their weaknesses into, into creative strengths, it, it inspires 
Um, I mean, you know, I, I think I speak for both of us, but people like us to go, Oh, they, they're embracing their flaws and it's, it's beautiful, you know? And so why can't I can, I can do that too. And, you know, obviously it takes a long time to not just get to that point of feeling confident in your yourself to embrace your flaws that way. But, but I think it takes a long time too, because, you know, uh, you want to have the experience behind that too. Like going back to Neil again, like he will, he will spend, he's a perfectionist as far as kind of setting up the parameters of the tools that are being worked with. You know, he'll spend hours getting the right tone on the amp so that when, when the, you hit play on the chaos button, the happy accidents that, that occur are, are, are beautiful, you know, and, you know, you, you want to be able to be skilled enough with your craft, whether it's painting or singing or sculpting or, or, uh, playing the guitar, whatever that you can, you can trust that when you, when you just jump off of the, the tight wire and you, you, you know, there's no safety net, you don't know what's going to happen. You know, you, you trust that whatever happens because you have the experience and, and skill to navigate those unknowns and those mystery moments that, that you can, you can kind of connect the dots and find those, those, funk holes that that make magic happen you know all of that magic happens in that void space where nobody nobody's really in control and you're kind of navigating that (laughs) you know and you're all kind of holding the universe together by the teeth of your fingers and hoping that it won't collapse around you and that and and when it doesn't collapse that's fucking amazing. That's way more exciting than, than feeling safe all the time about, Oh, you know, we know exactly how this is going to go because it's, you know, we've rehearsed it to death or it's, it's like, you know, you, you're playing to a laptop or something and there's, there's no, um, danger involved yeah i was thinking about that recently of just like there's people i know in in the comedy world who are sort of they get caught up in their like that's what i do and i'm like boy that seems like a dangerous thing that you limit yourself to i do this thing and i know that's sort of how the business works but that seems i don't know it seems such a limiting sort of way to approach great creativity yeah, I I don't know. I I think there's there's maybe a, different kinds of people, and and some people are like, this is my thing that I'm really good at, and I know how to do this thing really really well. And I have times where I envy that a little bit, honestly, 
where I'm like less, less so now than I used to, but where I'm like, I would feel like, you know, what do I focus on? Like what, what is all this culminating towards all these different things? <laughs> like, what am I doing? I, why can't I just decide I'm going to get really good at doing this thing and focus on that and try to make it with that thing. And I'll have a much better chance at, you know, being able to be defined by, you know, anyone. And, um, but, but then there, there are people that just, you know, ultimately I, I would, I would, uh, I would probably go crazy and just kind of be uninspired at a certain point and feel really bored and want to try something else and, and have, have that novelty again, you know? Um, but I, I think there is value too in, in like just being really good at, at, you know, playing the trumpet, like you are, that's, you're the guy that does that really, really well. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I just, I think that's why I, at one point when I felt super scatterbrained in this way, and I was kind of having those thoughts, um, years ago, I realized like, I, I love, I love filmmaking. I love, animation i love painting i love playing music i love all this stuff i just love making things and creating things and working on stuff and how do i funnel all this into one thing you know um that that i can sort of just choose as my path or whatever and for one, I, I, I realized that I don't really have to do that, but also I, I thought, well, what's the one thing that sort of umbrellas all those that can incorporate all those things? And that was music, I realized. It was like music. You have the album artwork you get to do. You've got music videos you get to do. I mean, you can you can make films and and, you know around your albums if you wanted to you can you know so then i got really into the idea of making music that that sounds the way my artwork looks you know and and how i can have those things cross over in, in various ways because they're all coming from the same place and how do i express that in a tangible way that makes sense to people I thought, you know, and then, and then performing live music. I mean, your stage is a canvas. It's like, you can, you can, you can do anything with that, especially nowadays. And so it seemed to me that music was like the spaceship and, and all of the inhabitants were all these things that I like to do that were visual, but could be incorporated into that. And, uh, and then a little bit later it was like, I, re I realized that um, the thing that keeps that spaceship fueled is songs, you know, great songs that transcend all of the production and all of the visuals of your show and all of the, 
you know, like, cause I, I really wanted to, and still want to be doing this as long as I possibly can. And I remember seeing Roger Waters concert, um, and thinking this is, you know, this epic psychedelic visuals, operatic, amazing theatrical concert. And I was like, I realized without the songs that everyone's singing along to, because they're great, timeless songs, you know, he, he could be out there with an acoustic guitar playing those songs and it would be super engaging, you know, in a, in a different way. But, but I was like, man, if, if, if not for those songs, this would be like a cool psychedelic light show, but I would forget about it in a week, you know, it, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't hit me here. It would hit me up here and be like, whoa, trippy, cool. But like the thing that lasts, that endures is, is the thing that when you strip all of the fancy shit away and you're just naked there with your guitar or a piano or something that, that like, it's still engaging because of the craft of that song and, and the melody and the lyrics and the, the pulse of it. Uh, that was a revelation for me. And, and that really started me on this path of minimalism and, and like focusing on, you know, when you break it all down, what, what is this? And is, does that thing have substance? Does it endure? Does it engage? Is it really interesting or is it relying on aesthetics? Uh, you know, that's, it's so temporal compared to the, the, the timeless connection that a song has. Um, and, and less is more, you know, this, the simpler, the better, because you can always add complexity on top of, of that. When you create like a, when you create a song, I don't know why I said like a song, like I'm a fucking teeny bopper. <laughs> a Leica song? Leica was the name of the first dog in space. Oh, see? That's my the only act- thing that rhymes with my name, Micah. Uh, well, see, my happy accent. I have to make a Leica song now. Thanks. <laughs> see? I should write a song for Leica. Find the, find the beauty in the mistake. Yeah. Which is something I try to teach my daughter who loves to paint and, you know, she'll not make a mistake because that's the wrong way of putting it. But it's like, I'm like, that's a gift. Find, find what comes out of that gift. And that's, thankfully I learned that fairly early myself. But if like, cause I don't know, man, I see having kids, I've learned how far we get pulled away from who we are creative. Like I see these things just fly out of her and I'm like, I fucking lost that. Or like I've gotten away from it. And I'd listen to guys like John Lurie, like some of his words with some, like his Marvin Pontiac stuff. And I'm like, I'm like, this guy plays like he's a child. And it's, I'm like, it's what a fucking gift that he was able to hold on to it, you know, his entire life. Oh yeah. That's it, man. Yeah. It's, it's, It's like, that's the source. I, uh, I have a band that I started with my godsons when they were like four and eight, you know, and, uh, it's called the nerfs. It's a great name. And <laughs> well, we, we like to have nerf battles, you know, so they were obsessed with nerfs. So of course the name of the band is the nerfs and we just 
hit record and just go. And the shit that comes out of their brains is so fucking hilarious and profound and pure and just ridiculous and, and just so much fun. And like, how do you, what, where is this coming from? I mean, you know, I'm sure some of it's coming from cartoons they've watched yeah. and like, but it's like, sometimes you're like, uh, you know, it, it's like what you're describing. Like, this is the source, you know, that state of mind where you're not thinking about anything, but what's coming through. Um, my, my youngest godson, uh, Tiago, would he would, he would just say the most bizarre things out of the blue sometimes, like pretty often enough that I started writing them down and creating, you know, volumes of his, I'd called them his, you know, his poems or like his collected works. And, uh, sometimes they were really stupid and just like, but, but stupid in a way that an adult who had gone through life and sort of had all these concepts piled on couldn't, couldn't quite achieve this level of unpretentious stupidity you know if that makes sense you know like um anyway i i just i i know i totally relate to what you're talking about with witnessing kids in this unbridled state of of total pure creativity and and uh you know longing to to not just maintain that, but cultivate it. Um, I think that's, that's, that's one reason I like using the name particle kid. You know, I'm like 31 years old. I'm not a kid, but I, I, that, that spirit, you know, I I always want to have that spirit of like, well, we're all kids. We're all, you know, hopefully we never lose that sense of curiosity and, you know, uh, nonconformity and just just going with the feeling following the feeling you know and and in in terms of creativity um i've you know speaking of your daughter and and painting and and like feeling like they're making mistakes i love that you're like no this this is a gift you know because i personally I've, i've learned more about myself stream of consciousness drawing or painting without any preconception of what it's going to be, um, then, then with anything else, you know, because when you make a mistake that there's no mistakes because it never was meant to be anything in the first place. So when you make a mistake, you just keep going and add on to it until it becomes whatever it was going to be. And nine times out of 10, it's way more interesting and profound and informative to, you know, like coming from our own subconscious, our deep, you know, as David Lynch calls the unified field of consciousness, (laughs) that place I think is, is tapped in when you're, when you're not thinking about what it's supposed to be and you, you, you surf those waves of chaos and you ride through those mistakes until it becomes a totally unique thing that you couldn't have really come up with 
if you had tried, you know, if you were trying to do it as opposed to just like, well, I'm just going to play with colors or I'm going to just start drawing and see where it takes me. It, it becomes like this meditation where you tap into parts of yourself that at least, at least for me, I would make a, you know, this total brain sneeze of a drawing and be like, what is that? And then sometimes it would take days, sometimes it would take months. Um, and sometimes it was immediate, but I would always look at it and realize, oh shit, this, these characters and, and these symbols and this shape here and this, all this that happened, um, this is, this is what I already knew, <laughs> you know, yeah. but I, I wasn't able to see it yet. And I wasn't able to acknowledge it or face it yet. And so now I know how to make this tough decision in my life because I've, you know, I've, <laughs> I've reached deep into my soul and I've, I've uncovered this truth about who I am and what I need to be doing. And, you know, even if someone else looked at it and they'd be like, yeah, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. It doesn't matter. Like, you know, and that's, that's the important thing. You know what that character symbolizes for you in your own personal mythology, you know? That's that's what counts with that kind of stuff. And that's how you I think peel back the layers of yourself as an as an artist and as a as a human being by consistently tapping into that that space. And uh so I I mean I think your your daughter is doing great just by painting, just by, you know, being open to that. I feel like, and it, it's like it, when you're around kids more, you start, to see, I start observing that. And I feel like what you're talking about and what she does, like, I feel that's our natural state. Like we're supposed to be doing that, but we get yeah. pushed away for it. Cause she'll do the same thing that you're saying. She, she'll be like, Oh, well I was feeling this and this is it. Like she'll describe these stories and it's like, I don't see it. It's, she does have a crazy knack for like, choosing great colors that work together, which is not taught, but it's like wild, yeah. but like w exactly what you just said. And I'm like, this is who we're supposed to be. Like we just, everything in fucking society <laughs> just shoves us in the other direction. And I'm like, like, yeah. I, it's like a battle. Like it's a battle to get back to it personally. And then like to keep that something of that within people and my kids, it's wild. Yeah, that I, I mean, I, I don't have kids, so I can only imagine from your perspective. Um, but you're around kids too, though. Like you were saying, you were doing that thing, and I think that's yeah. wild. Yeah, I, I, I think that um, it becomes like a reflection, and it helps us. It's like a reminder, you know? Like being around kids is like a like micro dosing mushrooms or something. <laughs> I was gonna say, I was gonna say after my rant, I was like, can you tell I've done a lot of mushrooms? <laughs> <laughs> well, so you know what I'm talking about, then. Oh yeah, you know, it's like it's like it just it reminds you if you if you allow yourself to 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 get to the level of consciousness of that kid, you know, um, at least attempt it to, to, you know, slow down and enjoy the little things that 
were never mundane in the first place. And I mean, you can, you can write a song about anything. You can find inspiration in anything. Um, and yeah, the spirit of kids is, uh, something that can really help remind us of that in the same way as a, a mushroom dose <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I was going to ask like, yeah. Where, where did you, where did you learn more from playing with Neil Young or with those kids? Is that too, too broad of a question? I, I don't know if you can quantify it, um, but I would say you know th there were both equally valuable lessons in all of this stuff that we're talking about. You know, one of them was more of a reminder a kind of dipping into the back into the the that that pool of creativity and the the other was more of a sense of um of validation of of yes that that's that's our natural state and that is and and it's okay you know um like you know, I mean, Neil is, uh, he's, he's a creative North star for me and always has been. And to have someone like him recognize my work and recognize my creativity and, 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 you know, I mean, that's like extremely validating in a way that you're like, okay, I'm not crazy. This is important and I mean I felt that growing up I felt that um the first time I, I remember really experiencing Neil and Crazy Horse I was like 13 um at the fourth uh, of July picnic in Austin at the old backyard amphitheater and I was roadieing for my uncle's band uh Titty Bingo and and uh so i was like right there on stage for most of the show and uh it was like the dead played with joan osborne and and neil and crazy horse played and it was it was like it was really a psychedelic epiphany in that i just i just knew that this was really important. You know, it was like something about the energy of that trance inducing void that they opened up was like, it was as familiar to me as my own heartbeat. And I knew that this was going to be important for me in my life. Like I've been here. I know what this, I know this place. And in, in the same way as, you know, we talk about being reminded of that by spending time with kids or ingesting psychedelic plants. Like every time I saw Neil perform after that, it was like this full circle, like reminder of like, Oh my God, this, you know, what have I been doing? what have I been doing with my life? Like why, <laughs> you know, 
I remember seeing Neil in like 2012, I think it was. It was at um, it was at Outside Lands Festival in Golden Gate Park, and um, it was Neil and Crazy Horse. And I remember this as a kind of defining moment of of you know, whereas I had. I think I had been over overthinking my my um, my music a lot. Um, that that concert just it 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 just it slapped my soul into shape. It was like. Oh yeah, rock and roll. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's what rock and roll is. That's what that's why it's important. You know, that's that's why it's meaningful. The the energy of this experience is like resonating so profoundly with me and in a in a way that is on par with with a with a heroic mushroom dose where i'm like it's all everything unnecessary is stripped away like here is what matters this raw human vulnerable primal energy and and if it doesn't have that you're wanking you're like <laughs> just go home you know like <laughs> Don't waste my fucking time. That's, that's kind of, it was like that. And I was like, Oh my God, I've been totally wanking. Why am I not tapping into this part of me that I know is there and I know is potent as fuck. And I need to channel it again and get back to that. And, um, yeah, that was a plot point. And then not long after that, I started, working with Neil, which was psychedelic in its own way. <laughs> How old were you when you started working with him? 24. Wow. And what, what, cause I, I was curious cause you've been around some giants. Like you said, you do seeing, seeing Neil at 13. And I know from reading that you played with Bob Dylan <laughs> uh, at one point. And I was like, is it hard to be around these giants and find your own voice or is it also, or is it more of an inspiration? Cause that's, I it's, was, it's go ahead. Yeah. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I just gonna, I grew up in around a theater and I was around guys who were like that I worshiped and I was like, I want to be like you. <clears throat> and it was hard, you know, it was, it, it was an, inter like I was a kid and I would hang out with Chris Farley. So it was like, similar he wasn't quite chris farley yet like he but he he was in my world yeah. he was already a superstar even before he got on snl but right. it's, like, it's a weird to be around somebody you know who's a fucking genius <laughs> and be like yeah i yeah. want to do this too <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i mean yeah on one hand neil is like this mythological creature but on the other hand i i you know he's a yeah, he's a human being flesh and blood and he's flawed just like me and you know and that's what i love about him um <clears throat> one of the many things i would say it's it's more of 
it's more of an inspiration because at, at that point I had already realized that like anyone we consider a super original artist is just someone who really had good taste in who they stole from, you know, or who they were channeling and, and were able to do it well. Um, even, even the, the people that we're talking about, you know, they, they seem like total originals to us. And, and all that means is that they, they stole from the best and they're not even afraid to talk about that. You know, they, they have their influences and they are an amalgamation of all of those influences. And so knowing, you know, there's a, there is a, a wide generation gap between uh, Neil and I and Bob and I and all of most, most of the musical, you know, people I consider like musical heroes. Um, and my experience in life has, has been, has involved, you know, different influences than just them too. Um, I think if I had only listened to, I mean, this goes for anyone. If you only listen to one artist, your chances are you're, it's going to be hard to not just be emulating and recycling that artist. Um, but I've, I've always loved so many different kinds of music and, uh, from, from all across the spectrum. And there are the, the pillars for me, but, but I, I, I can't help but be inspired by all these different flavors of music and and they all at some point in or another kind of seep into my music and I've always kind of had this approach like it, it can be anything you know I, I never wanted to say well particle kid music is it's this and this and this and if you try to put a synthesizer in there or you try to play a you know, a flugelhorn, it's no longer particle kit, you know, or something. It's like none of the artists that I love that, you know, Bob never was like that. Neil was never like that. You know, none of the artists that I love that are still around and, and doing it ever, uh, were, you know, I, th I think it's more of a negation of like, you know, I, I, I can be a, a million different things and, and I don't know what I'm not, but I'll know if I hear it or I'll, I'll know if I see it, <laughs> but I can't really tell you, you know, um, or describe it to you. And with the, the possibilities that open wide, um, you know, I, I think it's less of a conscious decision of like, well, I'm going to borrow the, the, the beat from this artist's song and I'm going to borrow the sort of vocal stylings from this artist's song and I'm going to borrow the guitar tone from this guy's music and kind of, you know, I mean, sometimes it's, that's how some people work and that's great. But I, I've always preferred it to be like a, 
if I'm, if I'm lucky, it's a subconscious thing where I'm not really thinking about that. But then when I listen back, I go like, Oh, Oh, okay. I see where I was like, I see why I heard that kind of guitar part on this thing here. Um, and it could be like from totally disparate musical worlds, you know, all these influences. Um, but I guess, you know, inevitably you're going to get compared to things and that's, that's fine. Uh, I just, I try not to, uh, to make it a, a deliberate conscious thing. And it, you know, if I step back and I listen to something and I'm like, Oh, this is too, this is too much like so-and-so I'll, I'll, you know, maybe I'll add something in there that just is not anything like so-and-so and, 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 and go from there, you know, but I don't know. I, I try not to think about that stuff too much because it's, I don't know, it's a waste of time. I think, you know, you throw all the clay down and then you start sculpting. If you, tr if you try to sculpt it <laughs> before you throw it down on the table, you're not going to get anywhere. And if there's a guy in your head going like, oh, you can't use that color of clay, you're going to, and then it's like, <laughs> fuck you <laughs> and get back to work or you'll be stuck. Um, how did you start? How did because you did an album with Sonny War, who I'm actually talking to on Thursday, and I both. Oh, I, cool! I discovered you both. Or, well, actually, I discovered her because of you, and our friend. I think it's our mutual friend Eric Edelstein is the reason I started. Yay! I've legends. He's a, he's the best. It's just like that guy. It's just like how do you not be in a good mood around the happiest guy on earth? <laughs> I I'm in a better mood just thinking about Eric right now. I listen to tons of music and I don't know how I, you didn't come into my view or ears, but I, he just was like, have you heard Barnacle Kid? Cause he knew about my, and I was like, no. And I immediately was, I was just like, holy fuck. It was like one of those lightning bolts of, of, oh fuck. I need to listen to all of this now. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Thanks man. Uh, and I want to, I, this, I don't know if this is corny or what, but like I was working on something and I was stuck and I was listening to your music one day and I totally attribute you to this, but like while listening to one of your songs, I had a lightning bolt of like, oh, I need to do A, B, and C and this will fix everything. And it was totally because of your music. And so for whatever that's worth, I want to thank you because it meant a lot to me. Wow. Well, just knowing that means a lot to me. That's amazing. What song was it? Everything is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. That's fantastic. That's like, that makes me think of like, I mean, I don't know. This sounds like I'm tooting my horn or something, but um, you know how people talk about like listening to certain types of classical music helps them do math or something. Yeah. Like Mozart, people listen to Mozart because it helps them do algebra better or something. Um, I, I never would have suspected that <laughs> listening to everything is bullshit would help somebody, you know, calculate anything. But um, that's really funny and awesome. Thank you for that story. It's that funny because Eric was like, I told him the story and I was like, I don't know if you like any something. It's a script. And I'm like, I, if it, 
it, if it progresses to the next level, he's like, well, he's like, you'll keep finding inspiration in Particle Kid. Trust me. Which I also oh. not to sound like a, like a kiss ass or bullshit, but like I I agree. Like I find a lot in your music, and I feel like other people do as well. Like I I feel like it, I, maybe I got it from Eric, but he's like like he's like he feeds he f- helps feed like Neil like this new energy or not new energy, but you know what I mean, like inspiration. That's really heartening to hear that um, for you know obvious reasons, but also because not to say too much, but the, the next project I'm working on, um, is really going to involve people and music lovers and music listeners and just creative, creative people. And in collaboration, uh, with, with particle kid in various ways. Um, and so that's great feedback because that gives me confidence in some of the ideas I have for this um so thank you for that and uh i hope that particle kid music continues to <laughs> make synapses and neurons fire bridges but build I, you know i feel like it goes back to what you said about music is you could do it and it's a part of everything and i was like you can't i feel like music is in everything like i i i feel like you know if you go back to like the the um like Jackson Pollock and those dudes, they were just trying to make paintings that l- looked like jazz sounded. Yeah. And it's like, I feel like we're always trying to do something that makes us feel the way music feels. Yeah. Music is what feelings sound like. And, uh, it's like, I mean, you could get really metaphysical and stuff with it and talk about, you know, the fundamental, elements of the universe being vibration and so technically all of this is music in a weird way it's it's a vibratory you know uh some some would say that like the dimension we experience you know anything physical we see is like atoms vibrating at a certain frequency and all all music is, is we're just sort of harnessing these frequencies and these vibrating uh, waves, and we're we're like wizards or something. We're like wielding them into forms that are tangible because they're not tangible otherwise. They're you know music is it's it's the most abstract art form which is what i love about it like you you know it's so interpretive and um i i I love i I learned one time about how like you know how we think of minor chords as sad and major chords as happy there are there are parts of the world where it's it's like flipped like like and, and 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 it like i used to think that that was just this universal thing where where these sounds meant this emotion and we all felt that and and it's like no it's not necessarily true um and and so it's just uh i don't know where i'm going with this <laughs> I'm, I'm deconstructing <laughs> like 
like, you know, I mean, we started the conversation talking about language being this contrived uh, program of, of assigned meanings to sounds. And I guess I'm, I'm kind of circling back on that idea that even sounds themselves uh, have, have contrived meanings without even being words. And, and, but underneath all of that is, is vibration and, you know, even the visual things we see that make up the symbols that we assign to the sounds to, to give them meanings that we made up are fundamentally made of sound. And, uh, yeah, I don't know what that, that means. And I, I think that's true. You know, I, I don't really, I'm not an expert, but I used to do experiments with cymatics, which is kind of in this realm. Are you familiar with that? I'm not. Cymatics are the visual nodal patterns of, of sound um, in, in matter. Like I would play music through a speaker that had a little vessel of water in it. And there was a light hanging over with a camera and the, the sounds of the music would generate like fractal mandala patterns on the surface of the water. And I would project those as they were happening. And like, I would sing through it. I would, the, the lower frequencies made more like um, rudimentary patterns. And then the higher frequencies, you know, the pitch would go higher and that would, they would burst into in, complex, you know, more and more complex patterns. The, the complexity would increase with the pitch and, you know, they like the simpler ones would look like turtle shells or, you know, um, patterns in sand or something. And then, and then the, the more complex ones would turn into fucking like fractals and dodecahedrons and like molecules and all kinds of crazy shit. And all it was, was water and light and vibration. And I was like, I was so excited by this because in my mind, I'm going, well, that's the universe. You know, this is like this demonstration of, of the, the framework of the universe in a way. Uh, and, and, and how, how these patterns resemble patterns we see in, in nature everywhere, you know, uh, coral and, and mountains from above. And like, you know, you see these, these patterns emerge in the water just from, from sound and nothing else. And, uh, it really blew my mind because I, I, you know, I started thinking about, um, it, it looks like, uh, you know, speaking of psychedelic plants, a lot of the time these patterns resemble the patterns that, um, I don't know if you've ever been to Peru or Ecuador and you've seen these ayahuasca blankets and the patterns on them. And I'm, I'm looking at them like that's cymatic patterns. It's like, it's, it's trippy, but <clears throat> somehow it feels all connected in some way to me. And I can't, uh, quite articulate how in a way that you know, perhaps a scientist would be nodding and going like, yes, Micah, you're correct. <laughs> but, um, 
but I, I think it's pretty interesting and inspiring. And, uh, you know, this idea that, that sound is the fundamental basis of reality and we are all mostly water and we're, we are beings of light and water vibrating on a chaotic wave. And, uh, you know, in the, in the stillness of it, we find the illusion of solid matter in, in the third dimension. And, uh, I, I, I feel like there's something about that that keeps drawing me to um, the exploration of sound and vision and feeling like music is, is, is the source. And, um, and that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> this has been my TED Talk. I hope you enjoyed it. All right, cool. Man. Thank you so much. See you, Matt. Thank you very much for listening to Conversations with The Wire. Please become a Patreon subscriber. If you like, also subscribe to the show on your iTunes or what have you not, and tell your friends about the show. That would mean a lot to me. As well as uh, go to the link tree in the show notes or themattdwyer.com or Conversations with Dwyer at the Instagram, and you could learn more about the show, buy merch, and all those great things. Thank you very much for listening.